With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Cyclone Fanatic Podcast is fueled by Cody Road. And recorded in the Wild Rose Casino and Hotel Studio. What is up? Welcome to our annual postmortem podcast from the road. Iowa State season is over, at least for the men. The women are getting ready to tip off here in a few hours. So if you are listening to this Corner 3 podcast, we're not ignoring that game. We're just not going to talk about it because we don't want it to become dated. Uh, Connor Ferguson, of course, is in Knoxville covering the Iowa State women for us. Uh, Jacqueline Cordova been doing a great job covering wrestling in the um, city of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Jacqueline's been in Tulsa a lot lately. I'm Chris Williams. I'm joined by Jared Stansbury today as we're stuck in greensboro at least for another day uh the flight situation in in this airport is is not kind it's not easy to get out of greensboro north carolina we've we've learned we'll be getting out on sunday morning um but nonetheless grateful to be here covering another ncaa tournament with iowa state and it it didn't go well we're gonna focus less on you know that particular game in this podcast, and we're already kind of looking ahead to the future, as I think that's where most fans are as well. However, we will we will discuss Iowa State's fifty nine to forty one loss at the hands of uh, Pitt team yesterday. And uh, before we get into that, I want to thank our great sponsors, Des Moines and Ames Eye Care. Doctor Kruger's the man. I absolutely just adore that guy. Really smart. Um, he's my eye doctor. I need to get back in, to be honest, in the offseason. I'll probably be doing that here before too long. Fairway Meat and Grocery is a longtime sponsor of everything we do here at Cyclone Fanatic. We've got Carl Auto Group and our friends at Country Landscapes as well. That's big time coming up. We're in landscaping season, so give them a, give them a call. Okay, um, I had a weird feeling after the game last night, Jared, that kind of talked about this on my reaction pod, that it, it – I wasn't even like mad. I, I wasn't really even that upset because they just played so poorly on offense that it it was kind of 
there wasn't like, oh, there's a bad call or where you could be like, oh, they would have done this differently. It's just they were so bad on offense that the frustrating part to me was I felt like Pitt gave Iowa State every chance to win. I thought the officiating really came around in the second half for Iowa State, as it usually does. And Iowa State just couldn't make a shot. And when you're that bad on offense, you just – you kind of refuse – you kind of push away any – right to make any sort of an excuse or anything like that they weren't very good yesterday and it it's unfortunate that the season came to an end with 41 points showing in the ncaa tournament yeah i think it just comes down to the like the fact that uh iowa state just yeah played one of his worst games of the year on a day when it's winter go home you know and i think it's easy to be frustrated by the way that the offense played and things like that. And I, I'm, I mean, obviously I'm sure there are people out there that are frustrated by those things, but I didn't walk away from it frustrated because it was like, man, they had every chance to win the game and did not take a, advantage of a single one of them, you know? Yeah, so yeah. like how, like you never really felt like they, it felt like they'd swung the momentum significantly, but they had dug themselves such a hole during the first 10 minutes of the game that it just didn't matter, you know? And, uh, I don't know, man, like it was just a, it was a weird game and I don't know that Pitt played particularly well. I feel like Pitt has really benefited from playing two teams that were two of the worst offensive teams in the power five, uh, during their first two NCAA tournament games, but man, that's the matchups, you know, and we've always mm-hmm. talked about how it's, it's about the matchups in this tournament and, um, for whatever reason, Pitt got two really good ones for them, and uh, and it hasn't worked out for – obviously it didn't work out for Iowa State or Mississippi State. Yeah, and it, that, that's another part of what's so frustrating to me is I, I still feel like Pitt was a pretty good matchup for the clones. And just like you said, just, you know, when you're shooting that poorly, and it didn't matter where it was from. It wasn't – like usually Iowa State, even if they're not hitting threes, they're, they're, they're better on the two-point percentage. They were bad at the free-throw line. They were just bad, and I, I don't know. I, I thought when they got down 20 or whatever it was and were within five and then down seven, at the I thought they were going to win. Mm-hmm. I, I really did. I was like just setting up perfectly, and they did really what they needed to do. They completely locked Pitt down. It's just, again, you can't, you can't score, and that's where I think the interesting part of the offseason conversation comes in. Is and I thought your column was great yesterday. If people haven't read, but Jared had to say he didn't really do anything on the game yesterday. It was more looking ahead, and I and I've already done a similar, more in depth piece of the roster breakdown for next year for our premium subscribers of uh, our in our Patreon members. Um, and, and I, I think we can touch on that. So it's 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 interesting. I think to to get to where we need to go in this conversation, you have to understand why you're here. And, you know, this team was built – these last two teams really were built more out of necessity and not out of, like, what you want. And this isn't a um, – this isn't a dog on the players. They recruited specific players to play this style, and that's what they're really good at. Like, Gabe Kalsher is a perfect fit for what they've done the last couple of years. Sure, you'd like him to make a few more shots sometimes, but he's a dog defensively, right? Um, the, the mindset behind it, I think would be good for people to like hear it in depth is that when you know that you're going to be at a lower talent level, you, you kind of ugly it up. You cut, you got to do things a little more unorthodox. And 
that was definitely the plan in the first year. I think in the second year, when a guy like A.J. Green, you didn't miss on him, but you definitely missed on Basile, you missed on Vanderplas, like really talented guys, offensive guys in that class that you didn't get. And then it turned into, okay, well, this is how we got to do it again. And the result of that is you've gotten to two NCAA tournaments, which is great, but you also have these dog type of games Mm-hmm. that we saw yesterday and your column kind of focused on, is this the end of that era? Well, let's, let's be real. Like Iowa state had to identify a way to get itself back to the NCAA tournament as fast as they possibly can. Like it possibly could, because the reality is that what happened to Iowa state basketball in the years prior to TJ coming back did a lot of damage to Iowa state basketball's reputation, like just for, for where they were at as a program. And that was going to take time. And it was going to take something that was going to be different to be able to change those tides and get that reversed quickly, just to give themselves an opportunity to be able to be competitive enough to make themselves desirable to someone who is a high level transfer like that you had to do something just from the baseline of that, of like, how do we get back into that kit, that conversation? Well, now you're in the conversation again. Now, like when you, when there's going to be a high level transfer and Iowa state makes that call, Iowa state will be a legitimate option for somebody. Now. I don't know that that was the case for a lot of these high level guys two years ago, you know, like, and, and shoot, if you don't have last year's team, like you probably don't even get an Oshun. You don't get a Jaron Holmes, you no know, chance. And, and those are the Maybe things Holmes now, no way on our gym. Yeah. now you've stacked up two good years in a row with some of these transfers and you can hopefully shoot, you know, even up another tier of like, we're going to go and get, you know, some of these guys. And not only that, you were still working with basically, I mean, you're working with four people coming back, you know, from last year. And really you only brought in the, you brought in three freshmen, two of them ended up playing, but I don't think really anybody knew how much they were going to play at this time a year ago. So it's like, they were still kind of at the studs of what they were trying to build, you know, and uh, the style of play that they have utilized these last two years. And I think that, you know, they were genius in being able to do this and just, and get this program reversed and get it flipped back and get things going back in a positive direction because it, I think people forget how much damage had been done to Iowa state basketball's brand really in those last couple of years um, with Steve Prohm that TJ took over. Yeah. And, and I also think it's important to point out too, is that this year's team was considerably better offensively than last year's team. As far as like the metrics. I mean, it's, it's hard to grasp that after. Well, we especially, I mean, let's not like beat around the bush. I mean, a lot happened, you know, obviously yeah. the stuff with Caleb grill and like this team was not operating with its full complement of, of what you expected them to have offensively. And then uh, even once Caleb got hurt, I mean, that's when the offense really took a turn. This offense wasn't bad when it was healthy, uh, it was actually you know, in first half early of the February. 12, for the first half of the big 12 season, it was like ranked second in the league. Yeah. So, you know, th- my, I guess my point is that 41 perform, 41 point performance. We saw a lot of those last year, kind of an anomaly for this year's team. I mean, the Oklahoma game was a stinker. The Oklahoma state game was a stinker. You had some of those, but it wasn't nearly as, as prominent, uh, which I think that's why I felt, I just felt bad for those guys in the locker room yesterday, like Holmes and 
you could just see it in their face. Like just, they were kind of the same way. It was just like, we don't know what happened. We just couldn't make shots. Like shots you're almost in, you're in disbelief. You're like, man, I can't even believe that happened. You know, like that. It was so poor that it almost just felt you like, what, what can you even do? You know, it just is what Mm -hmm. it is. It's just one of those days. I mean, just shots around the rim, free throws, open threes. Nobody could make a thing. So you had this transition period for the program now where a top 10 recruiting class is coming in. And when you break those four guys down, Omaha Blue, obviously the McDonald's All-American coming in, more of a defensive player than he is offense, but he will bring some offense, an elite-type slasher, that type of guy. You've seen him more than I am, so I'll let you comment on that. I'm really excited about Momsilovich. Uh, he's the best shooter Iowa State has recruited since Matt Thomas. Um, I think he's an NBA guy, ne- not necessarily saying one and done, but I think Milan Momsilovich will eventually be an NBA guy. Uh, so the people who are like, are we bringing in some shooters? You've got one already, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, where Momsilovich will play. Like, th- There's no doubt in my mind that he is, at the very least, a rotation guy. I would guess that he finds his way into the starting lineup at some point because of his shooting abilities. Iowa State, we are projecting, will have anywhere from two to four scholarships to fill in the offseason where I think you clearly target shooting guards for two of those spots. Um, if you have the two to four, I think an offensive-minded big man, think kind of like Oshun, to pair with Robert Jones as we are projecting that Robert will be back for another senior season. Um, you already have a nice piece in Trey King. Hopefully, uh, I think Trey, and I hope everybody has read my my feature that I did on him. I think Trey is going to have a big offseason, and that sounds weird because, oh, he's already had two years off. Well, now he's played in the Big 12. Mm-hmm. He's got those reps, and now he knows, you know, what to put himself up against. I like the pieces here, Jared. I think that the transfer market – not going to say it will be easier for Iowa State, but they had a rough go in the transfer market last year because of a lot of different things, NIL. And I know a lot of high-end transfers looked at Iowa State and said, well, they didn't think that they could run it back and get back to the NCAA tournament like they did the year before based on what was left on the roster. Now if I'm a transfer, I look at what's coming in. I look at an elite young point guard in Taman Lipsy. Um, I look at Demarion Watts. There's there's pieces coming back on this team. Robert Jones, say what you want about him. A really good defensive big man. He's going to be a really nice piece on that team next year. Um, and I love I love where Trey King's at too. So I guess my point is it just feels like if I'm a transfer, and they, and they probably aren't going to be – I think people need to realize Iowa State's transfer targets are mainly going to be these – guys who come from really good mid-major programs who want to step up. It's not going to be, oh, the guys leaving UCLA. like that. They're probably not going to get in that game money-wise. But they can get other guys like Jaron Holmes and Oshun and, t- and stuff like that. I just feel like they're going to have a better opportunity to get some of these guys here in the next couple of months. Yeah, and again, I think it starts with the baseline of what Iowa State is going to be returning, where there's going to be some key pieces that you can kind of build around, you know. And, you know, getting a guy like Omaha 
is a, is just a statement in so many different ways where you get this five-star guy to be able to believe in your program enough and, and know, you know, for him, it's one year. Like that's, you got to make the most of it, you know, and that's going to be what a lot of these transfers are. It's one year. How do you make the most of it? So it's like, how much credibility does that give a guy like TJ when you've already gotten guys like Isaiah Brockington, who's in, you know, is, is, is right on the doorstep of being in the league right now. You know, guys like Jaron, who's going to go be a pro Oshun's going to go be a pro that they have had this one year and they've been able to maximize it and take advantage of that. And now you're going to see that hopefully with, with Omaha as well. And I think, you know, I think the thing when I look at the pieces that Iowa State's already got in the hope is that you just you're going to be more dynamic. I think having a team, having a guy like Milan that you mentioned, he just adds dynamic different dynamics to the team where it's like you feel like you've had a couple of teams that you have some guys who can do like one or two good thing things pretty well, you know, but you don't have anyone who can do anything like really well. But right now you're already going to bring in a guy in Omaha who I think is as good of a slasher is getting rid of the and getting to the rim, being able to finish around the rim and make plays and then defend. Uh, that's as, as good as anybody that you're going to find, you know, coming out of the high school ranks, especially for, for a program like Iowa State. And then Milan, what he can do at scoring in all three levels of the floor, shooting the three, you know, you can post him up. He can take advantage of mismatches in that sense. Uh, that just is a dynamic that you have not had really uh, on the wings since he, TJ has been here at Iowa State. And then, um, you know, you hope that Trey King continue can continue to develop his game and he can be even better for you as a uh, as a, sc- a scorer at all three levels of the floor and then Taman, I mean he just has to he has to be able to develop some confidence in that jump shot that they can't guard him and stand in the middle of the paint and not guard him basically when he's on the perimeter I but, talked to him yesterday and in, in unprompted I didn't ask him about that and that was one of the first things he said to me is he knows how big of an offseason it is for him yeah and it just, he has to make a jump. It can't be a sophomore slump. It has to be a sophomore leap, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that for him, the leap is being able to shoot a jump shot and there is no other. It's, and it's not like he, we need him to all of a sudden go and be a, a 40% three point shooter. I don't think that's what anybody's asking. It's be a threat. How do you be a threat from all over the court? So how do you continue to become more dynamic? That's him becoming more dynamic. And I, you know, another name that, you, you know, you didn't throw out there is Jeremiah Williams, who was yeah. the one that I know people were excited about going into, uh, into this year before he got injured um, and probably would have played a lot of minutes for this team. And, you know, we went and talked to TJ this morning and he was talking about him and just how, you know, he sees him as another guy who can make plays for people. And that's where, you know, when you start looking at what kind of players you want to add to this team, I don't know that playmaking is one of those things that's at the top of the list, you know, cause you've got guys in, uh, in, in Taman and you've got guys like Jeremiah, they need people to make plays for, you know, mm-hmm. they need people that, that you can, you know, run off of screens and things like that to knock down shots on the perimeter. They need people who are going to be able to continue to guard the wings. You know, you need Demarion Watson to continue to develop his jump shot to become a threat uh, from the perimeter as well. And if you can do those things and you can have some guys grow, you know, this team is, is really going to be super young next year when you factor in these freshmen and then the two sophomores that, you know, I think we already have seen enough of to feel really comfortable in, in the direction of their development. And, 
I mean, that's six guys right there that are, you know, going to make up a pretty significant portion of your uh, of your minutes that are in their first two years of college basketball. So you have to find some guys that are going to be big time impact players. You know, and I, I wrote this in my column last night. You know, I don't know if you can get a guy like Kevin McCuller because of, like you mentioned before, the NIL stuff and obviously being a Texas Tech to, to Kansas transfer that's a, you know, we know how that game is played. Uh, they won't get that. That won't be no. their guy. But, but they can get guys who are in that next tier below absolutely. that, I would think. And that's that's going from the elite tiers of transfers to the really high level tiers of transfers. Yeah, and the the key is finding the right the right guy, like a guy who is willing to play whatever role he's given. That's what made Kalsher so good. Mm-hmm. Is that you know, Gabe kind of Gabe kind of people forget Gabe came off the bench at the beginning of this year. Yeah, never bitched about it. Like no, and he that that's really the like Jones is a is a good example. He's not this high end guy, but he he s- takes into his role. And you got you you can't just get old. You got to have guys that are willing to you know fit in with the greater whole. Uh, but yeah, like it, it, I think it's just a really interesting off season. This is a transition period. It's almost like okay, the rebuild is done. And the good thing is the rebuild consisted of two straight NCAA tournaments, which neither one of us dreamed would even be possible as bad of shape as that program was in, you know, when the, when the coaching change was made and now, okay. I I think it's fascinating uh, just to me been doing this a while with fans. And I, I actually think they're in a spot now where, the expectation so they haven't had any expectations and they've overachieved well next year you have more talent but it's young now mm-hmm. and it, it feels like they may be worse in november but way higher ceiling in february and march it's interesting but it, but again like you said the pieces are going to be key i don't think we can talk about jeremiah williams enough it completely changed the trajectory of Lipsy's career if Jeremiah Williams plays, we're probably in a spot here where we're at. We're wondering about Lipsy because we didn't see him as much. Well, now we know what Lipsy is because he had to. He had to play all those minutes. He wasn't ready to play all those minutes, but that kid grinded, and for much yeah. of the year looked like the best player on Iowa State's team. Um, so, so he's well advanced now, and now you can bring in Williams, and and I actually think it do tame in a lot of good to be playing 25 minutes instead of 35. Like, I think he'll mm-hmm. be more productive because of it. So I, that's a huge piece. And and this is all going to get started really soon. I mean, the portal's already got, like, what, 400-plus guys in it already? Like, it's <laughs> it's time to go. This will not – this will start quickly. I'm, I'm assuming they'll do their meetings and stuff on Monday, and it's, it's go time. It's I would crazy. imagine – I would imagine these this staff already knows it already has ten guys on their list that they know that it. they could could try and go and get this offseason. You know. That's like they're it prepared. It's it it's not um I mean it's like hey some AAU guys like, hey, I got a guy, I think he's gonna be into the portal. Would you be in inter- that's that's how this stuff starts in like fans hate this. Because you all love the laundry, you all love the university, you love the team. But if a guy's at the end of the bench and he's unhappy, like those communi- those talks and stuff, like of 
calling your AAU guy and say, hey, start floating my name out there. That happens in like January. So mm-hmm. it's it's time to go. Time to go, man. It should be interesting. I think this will be one of the more fun, the more fun off seasons because it will uh, feel less high stakes. You know, yeah. it's Last less like no either idea. the right. It's less like either the team is going to really suck or they're going to figure this out and it's going to come together and they, they'll be pretty okay. You know? Yeah. yeah. Real quick. Um, before we go, I did want to just a pure basketball thing on the, on the offense. And I wanted to ask you about it because it's not fun. Like there's there's no fun when you're a fan and you watch your NCAA tournament and you're excited and your team scores 40 points. Like it's not there's nothing fun about it. When you watch their offense, like do you see like do you do you look at it and be like this this staff can't coach offense or is it uh, you, you see where I'm going with this because like I, I'm already seeing posts all over the forums like oh fire whoever's in charge of the offense like to me like I, but I, I see it as it's like out of necessity and like they're I trying think you to need this group you how, need- how do you view it like do you think they need to what's your thought on that I mean at the end of the day your offense is only as good as how people can take advantage of what you're able to create with your offense, you know, and that's how do I put this bill self is an offensive genius. You know, what helps bill self look like an offensive genius. Really good. The fact that his, the fact that he's got really good players who can go out there and execute bill self's genius, you know? Uh, And that doesn't mean that I'm saying Iowa state didn't have good players because I think Iowa state did have good players and that's how they were in the position that they were in. But I think that there was an element of sometimes you just don't have the people who can take advantage of the opportunities that you're able to create, you know, and uh, the hope is that will not be the case anymore. But I do think there's an element too where when you really try to dictate the pace and you really try to do those things and say, we're going to really control the game. It can look a lot of times like you're not even trying to find a shot, which is where I can imagine people are, are frustrated. Uh but I think just the way Iowa State's team wanted to play, the way the team was constructed, you ended up in some situations where maybe they did look like they weren't, or maybe they weren't really looking for a shot. And then all of a sudden there's five seconds on the shot clock and it's like, oh shit, somebody has to shoot the ball, you know? Yeah. And, and I think that that could be an element of it, but that's where I imagine picking up some of the pace, you know, hoping it, hopefully being able to have guys who can, you know, knock down shots a little bit better that, you know, have maybe a little bit quicker triggers, uh, you know, can change some of those things. But I, I think it would be hard to sit here and say that this team doesn't know how to coach, or these guys don't know how to coach offense after the type of teams that they've had these last two years. I just, I think that that would be really tough to, to sit here and say, and I would say, well, okay. How have they gotten so good on defense if these guys don't know how to coach? Do you think that these basketball coaches have never – like, do you think that they're just – yeah, we've never coached offense before. I mean, yeah. that's just – well, that's that's glad, ridiculous. I was glad in your column that you pulled those South Dakota State teams' efficiency numbers. And it's a little similar to self in the sense that, well, TJ had one of the best low-major players in the country in mm-hmm. Dom and those South Dakota State teams. And they put up great numbers. Yeah. Because, you know, playing at that level. So it's like, which is what you're supposed to do when you have really good players. You know, and he had David Jenkins, who saw and lost to Fairleigh Dickinson with Purdue. But, like, 
David Jenkins and Jack and Zach Dom and uh, what was his name? Mike, Mike, Mike Dom. Dom. Mike Dom. Mike yeah. Dom. Mike Dom. Oh, oh, wait. He may not be a total idiot when it comes to offense if you watch those teams, right? So, right. Yeah, it's. I I thought the same thing, but I wanted to get your basketball analysis on it and, and not avoid it because people are clearly asking that. But yeah, like in it, and if if in two years when you've got all this talent in here, if they're still scoring in the forties, that's a big concern. But I, I just, yeah, I I don't think that's it's like the case. it's like it, that's like if someone sat here and wanted to say to me that Scott Drew forgot how to coach defense because his team finished barely finished in the top 100 and adjusted defensive efficiency this year. You know, Scott drew had his team had like the number one defense in the, in America two years ago, you know, and mm-hmm. it just depends yeah. on your personnel, man. And at the end of the day, these coaches, like they can't play the game for anybody and your X's and O's can only be so good. You know, everybody's X's and O's could be the exact same. You know what it comes down to? The Jimmy's and the Joe's, man. Who's mm-hmm. make this? Who's gonna make things happen? Got Keontae Johnson last night play, watching him play against Montana State. You know why Kansas State had a lot of their success because guys like Keontae Johnson can make things happen. You know mm-hmm. how's Iowa State going? Get some guys who can who can make things happen and make it happen all over the court. That's gonna be what what uh, dictates how the next season goes. All right, man. Uh, good pod. Appreciate your time as always. Uh, I'm. We assuming flights are on schedule and whatnot, we will have a Williams and Bloom coming up on Sunday where we will talk about the women's team, uh, hopefully playing on Monday to advance to the Sweet 16. Uh, Shout out to David Carr. Go win a title tonight. Go win a championship, Mr. Carr. The uh, three-time NCAA champ will be pretty awesome. So, Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching if you're on the YouTube, and we appreciate you guys more than you know. Have a great rest of your weekend.